The following audio is from The Springs Church. More information about The Springs Church is available at thesprings.cc. Wir freuen uns sehr, hier unter euch zu sein. Amen. <laughs> That's what I'd say. <laughs> That's what I would say if I were speaking in Germany at a visiting church. Basically, it means we're really glad to be here. It's an honor for us to be here. We're very thankful, and we really uh, we're just thankful for the opportunity to serve you here today. And we words cannot express how thankful we are for the support, for the interest in what what God's doing in Germany, for the prayers, encouraging words. It's just wonderful. Now, something you got to understand about this topic. Before we came, back in April, I think it was, uh, Brett contacted me and said, okay, we're doing the sermon series, would you like to speak? And he gave me the topic. He said, gentleness. I said, sure, and I had all these ideas, and I was going, really going on it. And then about a week later, I got an email. I said, well, that topic's taken. How about self-control? And so I kind of had to stop the road I was going down and look at this topic, self-control. And my first reaction, I had to admit, was a bit disappointed. But then as I was thinking about it, it was kind of because, you know, gentleness, I kind of got it down. Most people would say I'm pretty good at being gentle. Self-control. That's another thing. Uh, and then as I began pray, preparing for this, I, in my own heart, became more convicted. I need to hear this. I need to, so what I'm saying, I'm saying to me as much as to you. Uh, so this is not me standing on a pedestal. And the interesting thing is self-control is a topic we all get it and we don't get it. Right? Because every one of us has areas of our life where they're under control. You know, we, and we got it, we, we, can, we can handle these areas. And then there are areas of our lives where we kind of say, okay, let's not go there. You know, we all have, there are certain places where we struggle. You know, maybe it's walking by the donut stand. You know, I got a sweet tooth, I must confess. And that, that's an area where I can struggle at times. Or, you know, words we say. Or, you know, there's all these areas where we have to work. You know, and I'm on this path, and I've got a long way to go. And I'm assuming we're all on, none of us has made it. And so, uh, from one wanderer to another, let's go, let's dive in. This series is based on Galatians 5, as you well know. You may already have this all memorized. I don't know. Um, Galatians 5, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things, there is no law. And then, it seems to me when I read this, he talks about the fruit of the Spirit, these nine qualities, character qualities. And it seems that Paul is emphasizing that these qualities are a result of our following Jesus that the spirit working in us will bring them out. Okay, so we concentrate on Jesus, follow him, submit to him, and then this will, this will happen. 
It's, it's, it's the Spirit's fruits, right? Okay. I'm not used to these things, so I'm... But then, um, so we can say it's his job, he'll do it. But then, if we're honest and we're reading our Bible, then we come across other passages where, let's give me, let me give you an example. Second Peter, it says, make every effort to supplement your faith with virtue, virtue with knowledge, and knowledge with self-control. And he goes on and lists other things. Okay, and you see that? Make every effort. Other translations will say, give all diligence. And so you get this idea, okay, wait, it's up to me. I've got to work on this self-control and work and work and work until I got it. And so we're sitting here with these two passages that almost seem to contradict each other. We're going to say, okay, let's put Peter in one corner, Paul in another, and let them duke it out. Is that what is happening here? Well, I don't think so. You know, may the best apostle win, I don't know. (laughs) Is God doing this or is it up to us? You ask that question, and if someone's asking that question, is it up to God or up to me, I, my answer would be, yeah. So wait a minute, these either ors, you don't have a yes. That's not an option. In most cases, I would agree, but in this case, I'm saying yes, this is an option. This is actually how it has to be. Let me give you an example of this, the best example that I have uh, in Philippians 2. This is Paul now, okay? Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Work out your own. Okay, so it's all on us. But then we go to the next verse. For it is God who works in you, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. Okay, work it out. God is working in us. Okay, it's both. It's not an either or. Work together with the Lord as we heed the spirit in him. As his spirit is in us working, and we're making our efforts, this will work together. And it's necessary, and I believe especially in the area of self-control, we need both. Now let's look at the word self-control itself. This word, as far as I can understand, I won't get into the Greek because I've got too many here who will correct me, but as far as I understood it, it has to do with strength and mainly means like the strength. You get a hold of something and you control it. It's like Kind of, I, I got this picture of this horse, and you're pulling on the reins to get it under control. Okay? So that's the idea behind it, and I, to, the idea of reining in these desires that are in us. And a, and a valuable uh, passage for that is in Corinthians 9. nine that's, my German's <laughs> coming out again. There you go. Uh, do you... <laughs> Do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one receives the prize? So run that you may obtain it. Every athlete exercises self-control in all things. They do it to receive a perishable wreath, but we an imperishable. You know, now we all know athletes who exercise and who do things that, that we wouldn't do. And it has to do with self-control. When I, in my younger days, played basketball competitively, there were things that I had to do. It was just not out, just out of the question. I didn't, you know, it was not either or. I had to be in shape, practice shooting, uh, all kinds of things 
Where, and there were days, you know, I, on the one hand, there was this, you know, I want to play at a high level, be at my best for the team. But then there were days where I'd say, you know, it'd be kind of nice just to stay in bed and not get up and, and jog through the forest. It'd be kind of nice to eat this or drink that, you know, and, I, and, and it was a fight. And it's interesting, because the Germans have a, have a phrase that. They say you have to overcome, and this is a literal translation, you have to overcome your inner pig dog. We know that word. Yeah. Okay. Uh, and that, it's, I mean, okay, man, this might even help you. Okay? If you think of it, you start struggling with this in you, and you start picturing a pig dog inside you, <laughs> and you say, okay, got to fight him, you know? <clears throat> but, it, you know, as I was digging into this topic and I was thinking about it, you know, it's actually about a lot more than overcoming our inner pig dog or what's in us. It's a lot more than that. And one of the things that, that came to my mind as we read about this was, it was in Ephesians. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against authorities, the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Too often we say, oh, I'm wrestling against the flesh in me, right? We're fighting our inner pig dog or whatever you want to call it. But Paul says in this life, on this world, there's a lot more involved in that. That there's a power opposed to God in this world and he's opposed that to everything that God wants in this world. And I'm convinced that this power, Satan, the devil, can and does use the desires that we have to seduce us to go ways God doesn't want us to go. He did it in the beginning in the Garden of Eden with Adam and Eve, right? You know, look at that fruit. Look at what it can do for you. What makes us think he stopped doing it? He's still doing it. And when I look at it from that angle, it becomes clear to me this idea that, okay, it's our effort and it's God's effort that ha has to come together because when we're fighting against the devil and the seductions he has, there is no way we're going to win without the power of the Spirit in us. And so it's both. Now, as followers of Christ, it is important in this area that we follow his example. Learn from Christ at, the devil, at, the po at that point where the devil tried to seduce him or tempt him. And I think we all pretty well know this story, Matthew 4. I won't read it just for time's sake. Uh, the temptation where Jesus let, went into the desert and the devil tempts, tempts him. And I would like to take a look at this from two angles. First, we're going to have the angle of uh, how the devil tempted him, how he tried to seduce him, the desires he spoke to, and then we'll look at the other side, how Jesus exercised self-control to fight what the devil was trying to do, to counter the devil. So let's just go through these and think about it. 
The first temptation, you know about, if you're the son of God, command these stones to become loaves of bread. Okay, now, if you've been fasting for 40 days, you're going to be hungry, right? I do it 24 hours and I'm hungry. 40 days. And, and basically, the devil is trying to say, okay, you have a great desire and you have a right to satisfy your hunger. And he's using that to say, okay, let's focus on me and make everything I do about me and take this power that I have, which God gave me to, to you know, build his kingdom and use it for me. And that, that's where we go. And, and you see, the devil is taking these powers, these, these desires that we have, to make it all about us. You know, we can take, you know, it, it, it may be food. It's not just about eating, it's overeating. We all know how tempting that can be. It's using eating to satisfy other desires. Or even, the, you know, the sexual desires, that's a big thing nowadays. You have the right to have these desires fulfilled. And there are other f- desires. I mean, think about it. I used to say, you know, it's, it's almost impossible to go through life without being hit with things that point you to sexual desires. TV shows, billboard, movies, take your pick, and it's out there. Internet makes it even worse. And what... What, what the Satan is saying is you have these desires, use them, fulfill your desires. That's what it's all about. It's not about what God wants. It's about me fulfilling my desires that are in there, that are legit. It's about me. John in his first letter calls these desires the lust of the flesh. Something in us that wants to be fulfilled immediately. And then the second temptation, he says, if you are the son of God, throw yourself down for it is written, he will command his angels concerning you and on their hands they will bear you up unless you strike your foot against a stone. Now, on the one hand, he's calling him to tempt God and that's, what's where, that's one side of it, but there's another side of it because, okay, where are they? They're on the top of the temple, okay? Now think about this. If you're way up on the top of the temple and you jump down and you're, land safely, what's going to happen? The temple's not empty. There's all kinds of people around. And I think what Satan is doing is he, he's, he's addressing two things that we all have in us that we want. Number, it's, I call it the R&R. It's not rest and relaxation. That, that's important. But Number one, the one R is relevance. We want to be relevant. We want to be considered you know, up to date, that we're not kind of behind the times, we're not kind of, uh, you know, a number in a crowd, we want to be able to speak with, or, uh, on topics and things like that, we just want to be relevant. And the second R is recognition, we want to be recognized in some special way that puts us away from the crowd, and we can use so many things to try and get that. We all love the pat on the back, who doesn't? 
In the crowds, we can feel so insignificant. And so we may want to tell the jokes that make everyone laugh. Or discover something that nobody knew about. Makes you feel good in a crowd when you can say, did you hear about that? No one's heard of it, but I know. (laughs) And I'll tell you. And we can even... I mean, the devil even uses this in good ways. I mean, t- to take them, make them bad. You go, okay, you want to serve today? Yeah, I'll serve, but uh, I want to serve where everyone can see me. We don't say that, of course, you know. That doesn't look good when we say it, but what happens when we serve and no one sees it? Or no one says, thank you. No one pats us on the back, and we say, oh, man, what's the deal? They should be doing this. I need that recognition. You know, and, and Jesus, if he jumps off the temple, think of the headlines the next day. Boy, that will give him recognition. There is that temptation. We want to wear the newest clothes so everyone goes, wow, those are cool. We could talk, I mean, I could talk for hours on this because I think this is an epidemic today because it has to do with our self-worth, that we feel lousy if we don't get the recognition, so we look for it. We hunger for it. But I don't have time, so we'll move on to the next one, okay? I mean, you you have to recognize that's there. Next one is the devil says, all these things, the kingdoms of the world, I will give you if you fall down and worship me. All these things I will give you. And that, what is that? That's the power card. He's playing the power card. You can have, use Take the shortcut, use the power you have to get your ends you want. Don't go the way of suffering and pain, the way of service. You know, and so often we are tempted to use the power card to get to the goals we want to get to. And so what do we do? You know, when the kids were little, I'm big. And so I could play that. And I could say to them, okay, you do this because I'm dad. Sometimes it worked. Sometimes they would stand there and say, uh-uh. But that's, I mean, that, that always, that, we're always tempted to do that when we have a goal we want to reach and there's someone who's kind of hesitating and we want them to get there and so we'll use physical power, we'll use verbal power and it comes to a point where they're going to do it. It doesn't matter what and we use the power card to try and get things done because it's, you know, the ends justify the means, right? Well, the problem with that is that Jesus would say, no, the ends don't justify the means. Because often when you use the power card, it makes us do things or we do things that God would not like and God does not want, whether it's physically abusing people or verbally putting them down or whatever that may be. Power, you know, is used to serve and lift up others. And power is what Jesus has, not we. And so Jesus stopped that right there and he said, no, I'm not taking the shortcut that power can give me. And in every one of these areas we've talked about, the temptations that he gives, self-control is involved in that. 
The self-control to say to our physical desires, no. The self-control to say to our, I'd say our self-worth desires, to stop that. Or the self-control to play the power card when it seems the easiest thing to do. Now let's see what Jesus did with the devil's efforts to get him to go that way as he tried to seduce Jesus. There are four things I'd like to point out. Now it's important to remember, okay, these were temptations. Sometimes we kind of get the impression, you know, Jesus, he kind of, he walked on water and so he kind of walked a little bit above the earth and so it really was no big deal for him. Well, if you're not tempted, it's not a temptation. Right. right? And so Jesus was tempted. And we'll get to that in a minute. But how did he, what answers did he have? Well, we usually go straight to what he says, but let's take a step back and look at how it was introduced. And I like the way Luke does it. He says... Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan, was led by the Spirit in the wilderness for 40 days, being tempted by the devil. Number one, it sounds like the devil didn't just do three things at the end. Sounds to me like he was going at him the whole time. I mean, that's what, kind of what it, the, the, the appearance I get. Number two, it, it, he emphasizes that Jesus was full of the Spirit and was following the Spirit's lead. Okay, and so everything that happened was something that wasn't just a random temptation. It had to do with the spirit working in him and wanting him to accomplish something, and so it wasn't just a random thing. This is where it begins. To see our life is not just a series of random events, daily things we do, but to see that when we are under the control of the spirit, the spirit lives in us, then nothing, nothing happens that is just random. And outside of God's will. Do you hear that? You know, we get in, into places where we can be, the temptations become, we become, I call it practicing atheists. We come to church, we're religious, we're singing, we're raising our hands, and Monday we're going out as if, you know, God's nowhere to be found. And we just kind of live our life in our own little bubble. You know, it's about me. And I've got all these temptations. But if we are living in the Spirit, if we are followers of Jesus, we need to see that everything happens every day. It's something that he is leading us through. And there is a reason for it. And so as we look to him, that can help us to see beyond the temptation and exercise self-control. Because we know his Spirit is in us. And that's where I go back to the beginning again. It's him and us together, following his lead. It's not, I can't do it on my own. Jesus was full of the Spirit, and the Spirit helped him to, to resist. You know, but I think, when I think of how, you know, the idea of just, just submitting to the Spirit, to God in our lives, it brings me back to a story. I had one of, one of our daughters, I won't say which one, because two of them are here. Um, she was, I think, two or three. And she was kind of one of those who really wanted to learn things. And so she was ready to go somewhere. 
And she said, and I said, can I help you put your shoes on? She said, no, I'm going to do it. Yeah. And she kind of had this German-English combination, by my Alina. Alina means alone. Uh, and so she, she said that, and so I'd sit there and watch. Of course, she had to tie her shoes. She had to, and so she's trying, trying to, she got her shoe on, and she's trying to tie it. And, and we had shown her, you know, but she hadn't learned it yet. And, and so I sat standing there waiting, and I said, okay, uh, do you want me to help? No. Buy my Alina. Okay? And I, I asked that like three or four times. And, she's, and, and at some point she got so frustrated, she breaks out in tears and says, okay, Dad, please help me. And one time when I was thinking of that, I was thinking, okay, it's like God spoke to me through this picture. You know? Because God's standing there, he's saying, okay, you want me to help you? And we say, no, I can do this on my own. I said, okay. And we get more frustrated. We try to do it. We don't do it. And, 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 and God says, well, you want me to help you? No, on my own. And it's too, we go so far that we can, we'd all go, oh, no, I can't do it. Lord, help me. He said, well, thank you for finally asking. You know, I don't know if he says that, but I can picture that happening. That's the first thing we learn from Jesus, relying on the Spirit in, in, in him and relying on his power and strength to fight, the, to, to exercise self-control in the temptations. The second thing is that in three places, Jesus says, it is written. Verse 4, it is written. Verse 7, it is written. Verse 10, it is written. That means, number one, he knew his Bible. You know, I mean, you're going to say, okay, it's written, and, and we, we say, we know there's a place somewhere, and we dig our Bible out. Where was that? Or we're going to get our smartphones and do a Google, Google search for this. It, he knew it. It was in his heart. And I think the important thing to see is, well, of course, when it says that, that means that's his authority. But the other thing is that, you know, it, if you have his word in your heart, I think the Spirit can take that and bring it to your mind because it's there. He's, it's there. And if it's not there, that's when we can get in trouble. And so it's not, it's not about fulfilling some kind of rule that says, I have, to, I have to memorize, I have to get this in. It's about understanding what, this, what the, the function of the whole thing is to have his word in your heart. To have it in, his, in your heart. And then the Spirit can take that and bring it up. Say, oh, remember that? Oh, where'd that come from? We need that. The third thing is, I think it's important, is to understand Jesus was tempted. What does that mean? We have the answer in Hebrews, and this is one of my favorite passages. We do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect, every respect, has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. You know, there is someone there who understands what we're going through. Okay, do you see what he wrote there? In every respect, he has been tempted. So when you are going through a temptation, maybe you've, you've fell flat on your nose and you said, wow, I, I really blew it. And Jesus said, I know that temptation. 
And the thing is, it's not this knowing it because you're a know-it-all better than everyone else. It's a knowing it because I understand. You know how, how good it feels to have someone there who understands what you're going through? Jesus understands what you're going through. And so he says, so we can with confidence go to the throne of grace for help. With confidence. And what will we find there? No one with, you know, the finger going like this, you know. Grace and mercy for help. And so he's there, he understands. And I think part of that too, this whole idea is also that there are others. And I hope and pray that everyone in this community has a, another person or persons who understand, who walk you through your temptations, who walk you through the times when you're struggling and say, let's go together to the throne of Jesus and get some help. That's what community's about. And the last thing is the mindset that Jesus had which comes out in his last uh, word, He's, his answer to the, to the devil was, you shall worship the Lord your God and him only shall you serve. You know, in Jesus' life, it was all about serving God. It was not about getting ahead. It was not about being on the top of the totem pole. It was about doing that, what God wanted him to do, which led him to the cross. It wasn't about him. It was about God's life. And, and that was what helped him through these trials is, and also helps us in our self-control is to know it's not just about me struggling. It's about how I can live through the Spirit, the life of God in this world, which will honor him. And so, when you think about that, you know, and, and think about how you can honor God in your daily life, and we talk about that in, in these words of Paul, which I want to close out with, whether you eat or drink, or whatever you do to the glory of God, this is not just Sunday morning. This is not just a worship where we're praising and singing, and we're singing glory to God. This is about in your daily life, in your daily life, seeing the opportunities you have to glory God. Because he said, eating or drinking, we don't do that much here, okay? You do that every day. These are the daily life things that you can do, and even if you feel like you don't have any place in God's kingdom, the smallest thing you can do, you can do it to God's glory. It's not about gritting our teeth and surviving the battle. It's about looking to our gracious Father, seeing our Savior, and that all that he has done for us, all that he has done for us, it's not about you and me and doing it, everything we do each day for the honor of God. I have, have a prayer that I've started praying as I, was, as I realized this point. Every morning, sometimes I forget, but usually I don't. It's every morning when I get up, my prayer is, Lord, in everything I do today, please use me to honor you. It's about you. 
And then I start thinking of the things that went wrong the other day, and I said, well, yesterday's gone. Today, I want to honor you, and that, that is my call to you. Through his spirit, may life in all things, may your life honor him. That's part of self-control is, is looking beyond ourselves and seeing the greatness of God and the greatness of what Jesus has done for us and saying, okay, it's about him. And, and you know, if I, I would think, just think what, what a difference it would make if everyone in this room would pray that every day. God, I just want to honor you, give you glory in some way. I don't know how, but it's not about me anyway. And I don't need to see it happening. I just want to have that attitude in the things I do and say to honor you. Because that's what it's about. It's the, the end of the things. To God be the power and glory forever and ever.